rotoriseFantasy.com. Are you ready to rise? What does that even mean? Yeah, what? You want me to rise? Welcome to the Rotorize Fantasy Baseball Podcast, your source for daily, fast-paced, hard-hitting fantasy baseball news and analysis. You don't know anything about baseball. You're filling in for somebody. It's time to rise in your fantasy baseball standings. Now, here's your host, Joel Manchak. Welcome to the Rotorize Fantasy Baseball Podcast. This is episode number 33. Make sure to give at Rotorize a follow on Twitter. And please, as always, guys, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud. Uh, just take a moment and give us a review. It'll help us rise in the podcast charts. Today's episode, we have Vlad Sedler. Vlad is making waves in the fantasy industry. He writes for Rotowire, Baseball HQ, Guru Elite. He's won uh, multiple big-time NFBSC uh, leagues, quickly becoming a legend in the fantasy industry. Thanks so much for joining us, Vlad. Hey, Joel. Thanks so much for having me. How's everything going? It's going good. Uh, crazy day in, uh, in, in fantasy baseball. A lot of offense. Um, what are you working on, though, right now, Vlad? Uh I am currently, I've got my weekly article with Rotowire, um, season long piece, um, called the uh, MLB barometer. And it's basically a, uh, sort of a risers and fallers list, um, to sort of keep an eye on for who people should be looking at in terms of free agency or, you know, just trying to stay uh, a step ahead and a week ahead of, of one's competitors. Uh, and then I, I do occasional columns for baseball HQ. Um, usually about NFBC and, and high stakes leagues. And then for Guru Elite, uh, usually handling some of the weekend content for, uh, for the DFS stuff. Awesome. Uh, well, I wanted to touch on a, a tweet I, I saw you send out mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, you said Bellinger greater than judge from here to retirement. And I actually had this in here before Bellinger hit his two home runs today. But what kind of led you to that to that tweet and, uh, you know, your thought process leading up to that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the things and, and, and a lot of people that um, that kind of know me and around in the industry knows know that I kind of I'm a big Dodger fan, first of all. And, um, you know, I guess some of my tweets need to be taken a little tongue in cheek. And and so it, it may have been a little bit provocative to to, to see what people uh, on the East Coast are going to say and, yeah. and kind of starting starting some more West Coast, East Coast beef. But uh, it, it's really hard to say between those two, because, I mean, I think they're both going to be monsters, you know, going forward in their careers. Um, you know, obviously, Judge has uh, really, uh, you know, changed his swing and, you know, wasn't really as big of, you know, as big on the radar as a lot of people expected to just come out like this. And, uh, you know, so I I love both guys. Um, I do think that, uh, you know, Bellinger at at come the end of both their careers may not have the, uh, the batting average that judge has. Um, and neither may not necessarily be the best NL and AL player over the next few years. There's obviously going to be a lot of great players in the league, um, but I think both are great. Obviously, we're just riding the high on both. And anybody that has both in their leagues, um, I think, are in a good position to win. Yeah. And just as a side note, you know, there's some people we get feedback sometimes. You know, you guys talk way too much about Judge and Bellinger. You know, just just stop it, guys. Like, I mean, this is the fun part of fantasy baseball. Mm-hmm. 
And we're, we're going to talk about these guys. And like I mentioned, Bellinger hits two more home runs today. He's now up to 24 on the year. He's hitting a home run every 8.95 at bats. He's up there with, um, you know, some of the greats. A single season record, I think, is like six um, at, at bats uh, for each home run. I, I think uh, Barry Bonds said that. Um, yeah, so he's he's up there with some of the greats right now. If the season ended right now, Vlad, would you have Bellinger as a first round pick? I would. Pro- I mean, at the pace he's going now, I mean, you know, two weeks ago, I, I wasn't even sure that he'd get to 40 home runs. Now I think, you know, 40, as long as he stays healthy, is going to be pretty solid. But uh, there are going to be a lot of first round picks, but I think he'll sort of be a uh, middle to end of first rounder. Yeah, I, w- I definitely would consider him there, even as a rookie. So you mentioned you're a Dodgers fan. This had to be a, a big blow to you. Julio Urias will have shoulder surgery next week. He's going to be out 12 to 14 months. Uh, Johan Santana had this same surgery uh, back in 2010, I believe. And, it, you know, he was never the same afterwards. Andrew Friedman for the Dodgers uh, came out and said, you know, this is, quote, all of us feel pretty confident if we didn't protect him at all, it could have happened sooner or in a more significant way. Um, I'm not sure how you can be confident in that, Andrew Friedman, but what, do you, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on this? Uh, well, it, it's definitely a huge blow to the organization. Um, you know, I mean, they, the team doesn't necessarily need him um, at the moment, and I think they're going to be very patient with him. I mean, if it, you know, takes to the, you know, the utmost of those 14 months even beyond to make sure um, I think they have to do that. He's a really big part of their future. Um, you know, fireballer lefty. He's only 20 years old. I mean, he's turning 21 in a couple of months. And, you know, that, that's one of the things we need to consider here is there's really no rush. And I think sometimes we get, um, a little carried away with that in terms of fantasy players. You know, it's like, oh, you know, we need him for our dynasty league. We need him to perform. But at the end of the day, um, you know, he's a human being. He's a baseball player and we got to make sure he gets it, uh, gets things done right, uh, and fully recovers before he can be an asset. So what's your thoughts as far as, you know, putting kid, kid gloves on, on a guy like this? I mean, they went that route with yeah. Julio Urias. So, you know, is it just about, Hey, this player, you know, has these type of inherent um, tendencies to get hurt or, you know, is it, is it correct what, how they, uh, they played this situation? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, being precautionary is probably the wisest thing that they can do. Um, you know, like I said, he's, he's 20 years old. Um, I, I do trust, um, Andrew Friedman and, and management there. Um, you know, I definitely have been skeptical in the past with, um, you know, with, with past leadership there. Uh, but I really trust this team, um, you know, this management and, um, you know, if we have to wait two years, so be it at that point. I mean, he'll still be 22. And, um, you know, as long as he has a, a career ahead of him and can pitch, that's what's most important. Yeah. Either way, the future is bright with him. I'm not sure that this injury is going to hamper his future. You know, uh, he, he's too young to, to, you know, just discount his, uh, his future based off this injury. Roberto Asuna, this was an interesting story, Vlad. I'll just read you some of the quotes that, uh, that came out from Roberto Asuna. I feel a little bit anxious, a little bit weird. I'm just not myself right now. I feel great physically. It's just more of a mental thing. I don't really know how to explain it. I just feel anxious. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on this? He's having a good year on the field. If you're an Osuna owner, are you worried about this? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I have read some of the things uh, about him. There's, it's just, you know, 
you you hope um that this is something that he can sort of work through uh with you know with with doctors and whatever or, you know with himself or you know however he needs to be in order to be uh to you know for that anxiety to subside and i think that's the most important part um you know from a fantasy perspective i mean he he came in for an inning today uh, i think the key part of what i got out of it is that he is um, not anxious when he's on the mound. He actually feels very comfortable and at home there. It's the outside of the mound. And so yeah. that's something that can end up having an effect um, for him long term. Um, we just really got to hope for the best. But, you know, he's he's obviously done a lot. I mean, already 75 saves and he's only 22 years old. Um, so uh, all I could say is I, I really hope for the best for him. You know, I've got him on a couple of my fantasy teams. Um, and, uh, you know, I just hope he can make it through the year. But most of all, that he'll be uh, healthy and happy. Yeah, I mean, I definitely applaud him for for being honest about this and coming out, uh, you know, with with some of these issues. Um, and also, you know, everyone who thinks that you know this is maybe the first guy who has anxiety issues that's, that's playing in the game is fooling themselves. I mean, yeah, you know, to to be able to you know put that stuff aside and be able to perform. I mean, there's there's tons of people in the world, not only in baseball, that are able to perform at high levels in their careers you know, with these type of things. So I'm not concerned with it. Um, you know, as long as, uh, until we start seeing some bad results on the field, I'm not concerned with this at all. Yeah. So, you know, that old saying, uh, Vlad, that, you know, these things just work themselves out. Mm-hmm. Um, this applies <laughs> with the Yankees. Aaron Hicks leaves, uh, the game today with an oblique injury. He's talking, you know, three to four weeks, but, you know, we know sometimes obliques can, can bleed into the five to six week range. And Jacoby Ellsbury is on his way back, um, in, uh, in AAA past concussion tests. But, um, you know, and I know a lot of people were on Aaron Hicks, but, um, you know, it looks like Jacoby Ellsbury might uh, slot right in. Yeah, actually, it, it is unfortunate for um, for Hicks, but it ends up being perfect timing. Uh, and it's kind of funny, Girardi committed uh, to Hicks just about a week ago, a week and a half ago, that he's going to be playing every day and he's going to be his uh, you know starting center fielder. And then he sort of backtracked over the last couple of days um, as Hicks was struggling. So mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of funny how that happened. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Ellsbury needs to be you know, even though he's coming, you know, he's kind of towards the end of his career. Um, and is perennially injured. Um, he needs to be added immediately in 15 team leagues. I do know a couple of, uh, NFBC leagues where he's available in, um, of friends of mine, not in my own. Um, and with a 12 teamer, it's a different, it, it perhaps is maybe a different story. I think the, the value there will be, you know, where he's hitting in the lineup. Um, obviously it's a really powerful lineup. Um, and, you know, really just depends if he's going to be able to run. But I do think that Ellsbury is going to be somewhat of a, uh, a batting average drag for, uh, for fantasy teams. And, I, you know, and with so many 12 teamers having guys like Hunter Pence just sitting there on the waiver wire, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jock Peterson even, uh, you know, against righties, I don't think we have to necessarily run, uh, t- to go grab a guy like Ellsbury right now. Luis Castillo, a prospect for the Reds, gets called up. He skips AAA, Vlad. He goes five innings, five Ks, two earned runs, both solo home runs on uh, on Friday, I believe. And Reds say he'll stay in the rotation for now. He pitched well in the minors, but again, it was double A. Are you interested in Luis Castillo? I am. I'm, uh, I'm interested in him as a pitcher and his development. I, um, 
am not going out of my way to bid on him in my leagues just because um, the volatility of a rookie pitcher. Um, you know, I think we saw a little bit of that in that in his first start. Obviously, he's throwing some crazy heat, um, yeah. but we're going to see uh, bumps in the road, um, you know, and and we'll see, you know, he if he does struggle, he could get sent back down. I know that the Reds have Brandon Finnegan coming back and he'll be starting Monday, I believe. Um, and Homer Bailey got shelled a few days ago. I, I don't know how much longer that guy has. But with uh, with <laughs> well, Asher, Red, Reds are paying him a ton of money. I mean, it's in their yeah. best interest to get him at least, uh, you know, a little bit more time up with the big league club. Yeah, no, absolutely. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Castillo's definitely interesting. I know there's peop- a lot of people that just kind of love to chase, you know, the next hot new thing. Mm-hmm. And perhaps a lot of people haven't even heard of Castillo before. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he looks pretty dynamite. And so um, if you need some strikeouts, um, not opposed to it. Yeah, and only, you know, 15-team leagues. I, I think he's definitely an ad there. Um, you know, you get any more shallow than that. And it's kind of a wait-and-see approach for me. And you know what? Uh, next week, the way it would line up, um, he would get a uh, a two start week, uh, a dance of at Colorado, Ugh. at Arizona. So yeah. people need to be careful with that. <laughs> Absolutely, Franklin Barreto, uh, the main piece in the Josh Donaldson trade that uh, came back to the Oakland A's. He gets called up, hits a bomb in his first game. He has two more hits today. He batted second, which is nice to see. He's the number 56 overall prospect in the top 100 list. Are you excited about this guy? Yeah, I, absolutely. Um, for me, I'm, I'm, I've got some of my friends with, uh, you know, who are sort of somewhat connected to the athletics, uh, trying to figure out what is going to go on there, whether he is going to stay up with the team, because I think that makes a big difference in terms of how people uh-huh. should attack bidding him this week. Cause he's going to go for, he's going to go for some big dollars, I think. Um, yeah. and then he could get sent down just like Derek Fisher was for the Astros a couple of weeks ago. So, um, you know, I think he's, he is not necessarily going to help in batting average, but he's got that nice blend of, uh, you know, uh, he's good defensively and he can steal some bases. And I think he's got a little work to do in, in terms of power. Yeah, I mean, he was pretty solid this year in AAA. Uh, nothing too crazy. He wasn't putting up gaudy numbers. He had a 281 batting average. He was striking out about 30% of the time in AAA. Um, eight home runs and four steals. So, I mean, solid numbers, but um, nothing too crazy for him in the minors. Tyler Austin, a prospect for the Yankees, gets called up this weekend as well. Uh, a lot of prospects getting a chance. Looks like he'll get some solid at-bats. They sent uh, Chris Carter down in a corresponding move. Um, is he just keeping the seat warm for Greg Bird, or uh, is he going to be able to help fantasy owners down the stretch here? So uh, I'm hoping that this uh, podcast comes up after uh, tonight's free agent deadline because <laughs> he is, yeah, he's the guy that um, that is one of my top bids in a um, in my live 15 team NFBC draft um, or league um, where I could use a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of pop and and I think some batting average, but I think what it comes down to for me is um, that opportunity um, full time in the lineup until Bird is back. And for all we know, Bird could have more setbacks. There's really, you know, he, he yeah, it's not like he's burst. like solidified that job. I mean, he, he had the chance at the at, at the get go, struggled, and then he got hurt, and he's been hurt ever since. So it's not like he's solidified anything. Exactly, and so um, you know. I, I, He's in a good in a good spot, especially with Carter out of the picture. And so, 
Um, I, I like Austin. I like a nice medium bid on him and just to get a piece of that um, Yankees offense on the cheap. So Devin Mesoraco, last 14 games, he's batting 321, three home runs. He's number three on the ESPN player, player Raider over the last 15 games among catchers. Stop me, Vlad. I'm getting sucked back in on Devin Mesoraco. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a matter of, um, you know, who you're looking to drop for him. I, I wish that they um, wouldn't have Barnhart uh, sort of cover for him or, or start as often as he should. Yeah. But, um, but but you know, obviously, Mr. Rocco had that monster season, um, you know, back in 2014 where he hit 25 homers, uh, 80 RBIs. And um, he's somebody that I don't think is necessarily going to hurt you in bat- in the batting average category, kind of, you know, help you out sort of across the board and – there's no reason really to worry about being sucked into Messerocco. I think as long as he's healthy, that's a great park for him, and I think he's he, he's valuable. Yeah, I th- I think uh, any guy, any catcher that can hit 20 home runs, you know, on the season, which he's got uh, six right now. You know, he's working his way back into full time at bats. You know, hopefully they start giving him a few more opportunities, but you know they don't want him to get hurt. You know, they're not really playing for much this year, so. Um, you know, any guy who's going to hit 260, 250, uh, from the catcher position and hit you 20 home runs, you know, that's going to be a valuable piece. So I think more people need to be interested in Devin Mezzarocco moving forward, you know, 12 team leagues, two catcher leagues. Um, definitely, uh, you know, a guy to look out and see if he's out there on the waiver wire. So Jake Lamb, after a 291, 20 home run, 61 RBI first half last year, Numbers right now look eerily similar. This year he's batting 283, 17 home runs, and 62 RBIs. Still has a few more games left before that first half ends. We all know the second half collapse he had, Vlad. He posted uh, 197 batting average, 9 home runs, and 30 RBIs in the second half last year. Should Jake Lamb owners be looking to sell their shares now before the second half? Yeah, I mean, it's that's actually a good question. Um that position in the the lineup um, hitting behind Goldschmidt is just so incredibly valuable in terms of run production. And uh, in fact, only Goldschmidt has more RBIs in the season uh, among all major leaguers um, than Jake Lamb. Uh, and, and the thing to, to realize about last year, and obviously you know and most people know, is um, he uh, had a bruised hand that he was dealing with. Yeah. And I think that really affected a lot of his second half numbers. Um, but, you know, I think he still can produce on a similar you know clip to where he's at. Um, you know, the all-star break will do him well, but I think the real issue there is, um, you know, this is a guy that can't hit lefties whatsoever. He's hitting 133 against them. And so, um, that's obviously an issue. I guess it's just a matter of, um, what you can get back in return for a guy like that. Yeah. I think he's going to be okay. I mean, I'm not looking to sell off my shares like crazy right now, but like you said, just, uh, definitely don't value him as if he's going to have that bad second half again, uh, for sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, he, He's a, he's a really good player, and you should value him as such in, in trade offers. Jacob Ferry is a stud, Vlad. I mean, he wins yeah. six innings, three earned runs, seven Ks in his last start. Um, on the season, he has a, a 2-10 ERA, 10 Ks per nine innings, and he's only walking 1.7 guys per nine innings, keeping the ball in the yard, too, only .7 home runs per nine. Uh, how good is Jacob Ferry going to be this year? Uh, that's a good question. You know, the problem with, uh, with Feria is really not much other than the fact that he pitches in the AL East and there's a hot summer coming up and he's going to see a lot of, uh, you know, tough, uh, lineups on the schedule. For example, he gets 
you know, he's at Camden Yards next week at Baltimore with some, you know, right-handed boppers there. And the following week he's playing against, um, you know, the, the Boston Red Sox. And so, um, you know, obviously it's a great home park for him. Um, he's got great stuff. He wasn't necessarily a huge, you know, like, you know, early, you know, first round, second round prospect, um, sort of mid range guy. Um, but what he's been doing so far is incredible. Um, I wouldn't mind kind of using him as a, as a sell high right now, just because I think that only for the reason that he is a rookie after all. And I mean, I mean, I just can't imagine him posting a two ERA for the, you know, the remainder of the season. Yeah. I, that's an interesting point. I, I kind of like that, you know, maybe piece him together with someone else, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, get a really good return for him. Uh, I, I like that. Mashahiro Tanaka, seven of his 15 games started this year. He's given up four earned runs or more. He's also mixed in some nice outings, though. Friday was one of those nice outings. He goes uh, eight innings, nine Ks, zero earned runs. Is this start enough for you to buy in and maybe try and acquire him in a, in a trade? Or if he was dropped in some really shallow leagues, are, are you yeah. looking to acquire Tanaka? Yeah, I mean, in the case of him being dropped, I think it would absolutely pick him up. Um, as far as, you know, as a trade target, um, he, he's a little too sort of, you know, unpredictable and volatile. Uh, so yeah. a little sketchy for me. Um, you know, on the good note, he's striking out a batter per nine. Um, you know, the walk rate is, is pretty solid. And the other thing is, you know, there's probably going to be some correction in his, uh, in his ERA. I mean, he's at 574 now and he has a, a XFIP under four. So, um, I think that portends to some bad luck. Um, and so really the only big problem is, is this home runs that he's yeah, serving up. 2.23 um, yeah. per nine innings. Crazy yeah. high. Yeah, it's pretty wild. And so, um, I'm not opposed to people targeting him. Um, I just never go out of my way to try to go after, uh, pitchers in the AL East as, you know, they all get bombed from time to time. Brian Goodwin for the Nationals last 30 days. He's batting 282 with six home runs. Have the Nationals found their number two hole hitter after Adam Eaton went down for the year? Uh, well, you know, he's an interesting prospect. I mean, obviously he's a, uh, a firmer, a former first rounder. Um, he's got a nice, uh, obviously he's had a really nice weekend and hit a couple home runs and people are loving using him in DFS. Um, but you know, a little K rates up there a little bit. Um, you know, Jason Worth is coming back and I know Worth is a little older, but, um, but I think, you know, Goodwin can easily struggle a little bit and then get, you know, spend some more time in the minors, but obviously he's a good prospect, that nice power speed combo. Um, and so, um, I'm throwing a few bucks on him in my 15 teamers. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think he's more interesting as a, as a daily guy right now. Well, he's got the opportunity hitting a good lineup and, um, you know, but he, he does have some interest in season long leagues as well. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm kind of interested in Brian Goodwin. Yep. Matt Bush over his last nine appearances, he's given up at least a run five times, three of those five times. There were multi earn run innings. Uh, he does pick up the save today. Um, but it, it wasn't like a clean save. I mean, he, but granted he faced judge and he faced Sanchez. Um, but I think he threw like 23 pitches in that inning. Is it time to make a speculative ad on Keanu Kelly, who has been really good of late? Seven innings pitched, zero runs against him, only two hits and 12 Ks in his last seven games. Is it time to make uh, that speculative pickup of Kelly? 
Uh, I'm absolutely. I mean, I myself am praying that uh, the bush stops burning because I have him in my uh, my primary <laughs> NFBC uh, main event team, and uh, I'm not really making a big bid on Kila, um, only because I have Kenley Jansen and, and Kelvin Herrera uh, as my other closers. I don't want to overdo it in terms of spending, and I know he's going to go for a lot. Um, the thing with Keela is he's always had the skill. Um, obviously, he was hurt a little bit last year, and then he struggled. And then he's also really known as a hothead. Yeah, um, this beginning of this year, he got sent down because he was wasn't taking his bullpen seriously or something like that. I mean, and the the veterans got on him a little bit, and yeah, so he, he's got some mental issues too. Yeah, and so you know, it, it'll be really interesting to see how that shakes out. I really thought Bush was safe there for a while, but that ne- may not necessarily be the case, and so. Um, where I need some save help in 12 teamers, um, you know, I'm definitely going to bid. And I think that save by Matt Bush today, uh, uh-huh. on Sunday helps keep Kila's price down where it would be astronomical, um, if Bush had blown that save. Yeah. And I think he, he gets the next save chance, Bush, uh, for sure. And I think he's, he got a little bit more leash, uh, today with the save. So I, I think I'm not going crazy on, uh, Keona Kelly, uh, on my side. Another saves have actually been um, closers have, have has been pretty quiet the last couple of weeks. I felt like, but you know, we're starting to get some more news. Arodas Vizcaino picks up a save on on Friday. Jim Johnson had pitched back to back days, so I mean, it, it's not nothing too crazy here. Like he's taking the job, but Vizcaino has to be one of the better trade deadline speculative pickups, right? I mean, the Braves yeah. have to move Jim Johnson. Exactly. And that's what's, what's pretty much going to happen. And so, you know, really what it comes down to is how, how, you know, do you have that roster spot to be able to hold this Cayeno, uh, especially in 12 team leagues where, you know, there's just a lot of moving parts there. And if you need saves, I mean, you know, what's going on in Washington? Uh, you know, what, you know, when is Casilla in Oakland going to blow it, um, and, and do little takeover? Um, just, you know, so many in, in, in Kila and Bush over there in Texas. And so there's just so many questions, but, you know, Vizcaino's done it before. Um, you know, he, he, he's gotten saves for the team before, um, you know, 10 last year, nine the year before. And, uh, he, I think he is the best reliever on the team and it's just really a matter of time. But for fantasy owners, it just comes down to, uh, you know, how long can you, you know, keep him on your team and, you know, will you be using him or not? Wilson Ramos, uh, Ramos returns from the deal on Friday. What can we expect from this guy? And, uh, what size league would you be adding him, adding him in? Uh, I would add him in all leagues. I mean, it, 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 int- the Buffalo is interesting because he, um, you know, it may take a little bit of time to ramp up, but, uh, you know, it's a guy that hit over, you know, 350 for a good chunk of the season. And obviously that dipped down towards the end a little bit. He ended up hitting a little over 300. Um, but, you know, the Nationals, you know, they, they, they cut ties with Derek Norris and obviously feel confident that Ramos is going to be a big addition for them. Um, I'm actually in somewhat of a pickle where, um, he was dropped in one of my 12 teamers last week and, uh, you know, I picked him up right away, but my main catchers there are Grindal and Zunino. And I'd like to hold Ramos because I think it's just a matter of time before a guy like Zunino, um, you know, cools off a little bit, yeah. um, and starts hitting 200 again. And I can, you know, grab a guy like Ramos, pop him in there, um, in my lineup. Um, so it's just a matter of, as long as he's healthy, um, I think it might take a few weeks, uh, for him to ramp up. Yeah. If it was me, Vlad, I just take what, uh, what, um, Zunino has given me to this point and just put it in the bank and then just, yep. uh, you know, let him go <laughs> rather than uh-huh. pushing the envelope with a guy like that. 
Um, it's kind of scary, but as far as Ramos, um, I'm not sure why project rest of season projections, they don't really like Ramos. And I'm trying to figure out why if, uh, if you go to zips and steamer on fan graphs, um, they're, they have him at a batting average of like 157, 158, uh, or I'm sorry, two, 257, 258 and 260. I mean, this is a guy who batted 307 last year and he's, he doesn't strike out 15% of the time he struck out last year. Um, a really good number there. So, I mean, the 300 batting average, why is that not sustainable? I know the BABIP was a little bit elevated, but yeah. I mean, I'm not sure why rest of the season projections have him at 257 and 258. Um, I don't know. What are you thinking on that, Vlad? Um, I mean, it's fair. I think they're, they're, you know, the, those projection systems are wise to always be conservative. I mean, you can't, you know, can't have a guy coming off an injury who's really only hit 300 once in his career, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, projecting that sort of high number for him. Yeah. But um, he had the, he had the eye, you know, the eye yeah. surgery and, yeah. you know, there, there was something to back that up. I mean, obviously the rest of the season projections don't take that into consideration, but I mean, the best I, I part is. Yeah, and the best part is projections are wrong all the time. Um, nobody would have, you know, thought Bellinger or Judge and Logan Morrison would yeah. have 22 home runs by now. And so, you know, people just need to, um, you know, do what they can and just kind of watch them play. Can we go off the cuff a little bit here? What do you think on Logan Morrison? I mean, this is a guy I, I'm not sure I want to live in a world where Logan Morrison hits 40 home runs in a season, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say either. I mean, I, um, I owned him for a little bit. I, I got a, you know, couple weeks of homers out of him and figured it was time to drop him. But no, I mean, he keeps crushing. He is their, um, their cleanup guy. Um, they're always seem to be facing a lot of righties and he's pounding them. Um, you know, Lomo has always had a problem just staying on the field. And, you know, that's kind of what I'm waiting for. Like you see guys like, you know, Jason Worth, who's always hurt, got injured. Um, you're almost waiting for something to happen to Ryan Zimmerman. And so I wonder, you know, he hasn't played 150 games ever in his career, and he's been around since 2009. Um, you know, so we'll see. I, I don't think if I have to put money on it, I probably would not expect him to hit 40 home runs. I think he'll slow down over the second half. But then again, crazier things have happened. Michael Taylor hits two home runs uh, yesterday and one today. He's now up to 11 on the year with seven steals. He's batting 273. Are we going to look up at the end of the year, Vlad, and see a 2020 line with a 270 batting average or so on Michael Taylor? Uh, sure seems to be on pace for that. Um, it's pretty amazing what the guy's been doing uh, from the bottom of the lineup. I mean, that that team is just stacked from top to finish, um, that, that lineup. Um, what stings me is that, um, you know, in my NFBC league, uh, my main event team where, uh, you can make changes twice a week, um, you know, Monday through Thursday and then Friday through Sunday. Um, he was a little injured, uh, or so was the quote. And so he wasn't in the lineup on Friday. And of course, Saturday and Sunday, you know, a couple homers, a couple steals, a little bit of every, this and that. And so, um, not going to get those stats, but the way it's looking <laughs> now, you know, he definitely, you know, could be like a, you know, 20 homer, 18 steals guy with maybe a little bit of a dip in batting average. Yeah. I mean, the batting average is a little unsustainable in my opinion. He's got a 368 BABIP. He's striking out 32.9% of the time right now. So uh, I agree with the uh, rest of the season projections that have around a, a 240 batting average rest of the season. So um, just be careful with that batting average on Michael Taylor. Corey Kluber, Klubot, uh, looks fully activated after the DL. Vlad, his stuff looked nasty. I mean, if you're on Twitter, you've seen a lot of, uh, his gifts. Um, 1.29 ERA, 52 strikeouts, six walks since the DL. 
Uh, is he a top 10 starter rest of the season for you? Oh, yeah. I think he's like a top five or six guy right now. I mean, he is pretty, pretty, pretty darn good. Um, you know, th- this past week has, it was just incredible. You know, people that have him are, are really happy. I mean, he's got three consecutive games with, uh, uh, you know, double digit strikeouts and, and he goes really deep in games too. And so, you know, he's a guy that usually starts off a little slow in April, but come the end of the year, you're getting some really legit numbers from him and owners that have him back are going to be really happy right now. Yeah, I read a story uh, that uh, he's he's just been throwing his curveball more. And typically in the past, what he's been doing is he's been going the first you know inning or so without throwing the curveball to to have the fastball set the table. And instead, he's just coming out with it, you know, from the get go. And um, it seems to be making a big difference for him. You know, hitters were coming out and saying, you know, we we're gonna be aggressive, you know, the first couple innings and try and jump on his fastball. And and now. You know, why, why hold the best pitch back was basically the, uh, the gist of the article. So, um, he looks really, really good right now. Travis Shaw, this is a guy who's flying under the radar, um, in a lot of leagues, hits home run number 15 today, and he's having a really good season. 289 batting average with the 15 home runs. And the crazy part, Vlad, is the seven steals. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a big time number there, uh, for that position. Uh, third base, first base, you know, corner infield spot, you know, the, the seven steals are really nice paired with the 15 home runs. Um, is he a top 100 player rest of the season? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, without a doubt. And that's funny. You must, uh, you must have taken a look at my, uh, my NFBC team somewhere, my main event team, because, <laughs> uh, I got shot too. He, he was one of my, my, my main targets. Um, not as much early on, um, in draft season, but more so in those last few weeks. And so that main event draft was, you know, live in Vegas right before the season started. Um, and so I was very happy to get him around the, the 22nd round. Um, but they call him the mayor of Ding Dong City, um, a, a, a nickname that's transferred over from Boston over to Milwaukee. And I mean, he's, he's a beast. You know, he's hitting cleanup on that team that mashes in a, in a good hitter's park. Um, you know, it, it's really looking like the best, going to be his best season of his career. Just three more home runs to have a, you know, set his career high in home runs at 17, which he should handle easily. And like you mentioned, the steals are fantastic. Um, isolated power is, is up there. And so, um, a lot to look forward to with Shaw for the rest of the year. So the buy low window is passing right before our eyes or maybe has completely passed here, Vlad, on Jacob deGrom. Last three starts a .72 ERA, 19 Ks over 25 innings. He still does have that somewhat ugly 3.71 ER, even though, you know, these last three starts were good. Um, is there a little bit of buy low window still there? Um, uh, I don't know. I think it may have, uh, may, may have passed for the most part. Um, that window was, was most readily available where he had those two back to back games where he, uh, you know, he allowed seven and eight earned runs and back to back outings, which is, you know, really bad. But, uh, over his last three starts, he's pitched at least eight innings. And one of those against the Cubbies, he, he had a complete game. And so, um, you know, he's a beast right now. Uh, he, he's a guy that is, you know, had, had some of the most, um, the, 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 the fastest, uh, quickest helium of draft, uh, you know, draft a helium from early March to the end of March. And he was going, in the second round, third round in a lot of high stakes yeah. leagues and 15 teamers. And so, um, you know, outside of, uh, you know, he was giving up some home runs there for a while, some earned runs, but, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a beast and in the top 
top 10, 15 pitcher going forward. I think you're giving, you know, fantasy owners a little bit too much credit. I think in in your leagues, you know, expert leagues, yes, the, the buy low window is definitely gone. But I think in a lot of leagues that, you know, our listeners play in, you know, the buy low opportunity may still be there slightly. You know, people look at that 371 ERA and they're like, eh, you know, DeGrom's having a down year. Maybe I'll, you know, sell him for 80 cents on the dollars, you know, something like that. So I think it's a little bit there. Um, you know, maybe oh, not yeah. in expert leagues. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Keon Broxson, uh, hit his 13th home run today and also swiped his 13th bag in the last 15 games. He's batting 354, seven home runs and, uh, three steals. We know he's a really streaky hitter. What is your strategy on guys like this? Want to pick your brain a little bit. He might go for 25, 25 this year. But it might be accompanied by a 220, you know, maybe even lower batting average. At what point is that batting average just too much of a drag despite the counting stats for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it just really depends on, you know, how your stats are looking, you know, year to date. Because we still have another half of the season left to play. And a lot of people have, you know, um, you know, you have a nice base and, and kind of know which direction your team is heading. Um, I do see some upside, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, that power steel combo. And I think we'll see, you know, probably 2020, um, you know, come the end of the year. But the problem right now is, is strikeout rate. I mean, it's still up there. It, yeah. it was, it was like 44% for a while. He's dipped it down to 38%, but it's still one of the highest rates in the league. Um, so he's really an enigma. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, uh, you know, a, a team that, that could perhaps be suffering in batting average and have a couple other of those batting average drains on their team may have to be careful. Um, but otherwise, I, I think he's a good fantasy asset for, uh, for where he went in drafts this year. Yeah. What I don't like to see when I'm looking at his numbers last year, he was walking 4.8% of the time. This year, it's only 7.7% of the time. So, you know, less walks, less op- opportunity on the base paths, and it's proving out in his numbers. Through uh, 244 plate appearances last year, he had 23 steals. He's already at 265 plate appearances this year, and he's only got the 13 steals. So he's mm-hmm. down, you know, uh, about 10 steals with less plate appearances. And, um, you know, so he's, he's not going to get that 40 mark that maybe mm-hmm. some people were thinking he could hit this year, Vlad. So, um, you know, until those walks start to, in, start to increase, and, you know, he starts getting on base more, um, you know, I'm, I'm staying away, uh, you know, in more shallow mm-hmm. leagues. Julio Tijeran, uh, gets blown up today, uh, again at home. He's got a 6.65 ERA at home. Um, he had a solid three game stretch before this one, but, um, the blow up potential for him is crazy right now. Five times he's given up five earned runs or more. If you're a Tijeran owner, what are you doing with him? Man, uh, I've got one share and it's killing me, uh, because we, we saw a lot of this last year, but you know, this, you know, this new home park is just not working for him. And, uh, and I think Tehran is one of those guys who can, you know, really get in his own head, uh, similar like to Michael Pineda, like when he's struggling, um, it's just not happening. And the worst part is the, the strikeout rate is incredibly low. I mean, he's got like yeah. seven, you know, basically like eight strikeouts just over his last three starts. And he's up there in the innings pitched, you know, six, seven innings pitched per start. Um, but yeah, he's just getting blown up right now. Um, he does get a possible bounce back start next week um, at Oakland. 
And so, um, you know, I think where I have him, I'm going to throw him for that start, but I'm going to be careful and probably not, um, pitch him at SunTrust Park until I see, um, you know, him get his game back together like he did second half of last year. Yeah. I mean, the last four starts, three strikeouts, three strikeouts, two strikeouts, and then mm-hmm. three today. I mean, that's just not doing it for me. He's got a 6.2 K per nine on the year. And, you know, with add that to the blow up potential, I, I'm not interested. I mean, there's not yeah. enough upside there game to game for me to take that risk. Um, you know, so I, I'm not really in on Julio Teheran. Thanks yeah. so much for joining us, Vlad. It was a lot of fun. I know you got some uh, bids to place in, in your big time league. So I appreciate you coming on and I had a blast. We got to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Sounds good so much, Joel. Thanks for having me, man. All right. Well, we're out, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Roto Rise Fantasy Baseball Podcast, where we help you rise in your fantasy standings. Did you know you can get custom expert fantasy team reviews on the web at rotorisefantasy.com, where we offer top free agent pickups, standing analysis, and trade ideas, all done by a real life fantasy expert. You can put it on the board. Boom, out of here.